Doug Tyrrell History and Comment is available on iTunes. Hello, friends. I'm Doug Tyrrell. This is History and Comment for Monday, the 14th day of August, 2023. If you're not back in school, enjoy it. The summer is getting well along. I notice some of the cornfields are starting to show their age. Again, we are discussing Shakespeare and Macbeth in actual historical terms. As we stated before, as far as a historical text gives Shakespeare the heave. King Duncan I was a young king who had ascended the throne without contest about the year 1034. His lineage is of debate, but apparently well within the ruling family. In 1039, Macbeth and his forces attack the king and fail. On this day in 1040, Duncan retaliates and is killed in battle. Duncan and Macbeth were most likely cousins. The Oregon Territory is organized in 1848. It was bounded by the 42nd parallel on the south, the 49th on the north, the Pacific Ocean to the west, and the Continental Divide on the east. This included all of the present-day states of Oregon, Washington, Idaho, and portions of Montana and Wyoming. Things will progress towards statehood, and the Washington Territory will be carved out five years later, splitting the territory roughly in half. Then, in another five years, the final boundary of Oregon will be defined, and Washington Territory will gain a significant amount of land. The seventh Modern Olympic Games officially opened in Antwerp, Belgium in 1920. This is the first to feature the now-famous Olympic flag. It also introduced the Athlete's Oath that has since been extended to officials. Did you know the five rings represent the five inhabited continents? Wait a minute, I thought there were six inhabited continents. When first designed, the continents were defined as America, Asia, Africa, Europe, and Oceania. Late summer is fire season in the West. In 1933, loggers were closing camp due to increased fire risk. One account claims that a cable pulling one of the last logs created enough heat from friction to start a fire. The fire burned for 10 days and looked like it might be contained. Then the humidity dropped and the winds picked up. Over the first 10 days, it had burned 3,800 acres a day. After the weather changed, it burnt 13,000 per hour. This is called a blow-up when weather conditions align to produce amazingly fast fire growth. Folks who study and predict weather for fire crews pay particular attention to changes in wind speed and direction or a major change in humidity. The reason is simple. Changes in weather have been the root cause of nearly all the major fatal fires in the history of forest firefighting. Of course, the fire on the Hawaiian island of Maui is all over the news. The civilian death toll is approaching 100 and expected to go much higher. Some of the early speculations include the topics of human-caused climate change. Another human factor is invasive species of grass that have increased the fuel loading. Weather certainly plays a factor. Hawaii is normally rather lush with adequate rainfall. This summer, the weather has been unusually dry, with the island going into a moderate to severe drought state in just a few short weeks. A large tropical storm to the south caused unusually strong winds. I have not compared flame speed to other catastrophic fires like Storm King Mountain in Colorado, but this may set records as the reported wind speeds may have approached hurricane strength, something not seen 
on the interior mainland. It probably does not help that the islands are heavily forested and grasslands and do not have a large fire problem, nor do they have easy access to fire resources on the mainland. President Franklin Roosevelt signs the Social Security Act in 1935. This is still debated whether it is a good thing or not. The problem is human nature. We do not do what we clearly know we should. If a person was to save 15% of their income and invest it conservatively, retirement would not be an issue. But it's tough to be that disciplined, so the government does it for you. 7% is deducted from your pay, another 7% is taxed to your employer. Yet, when you are eligible to get benefits, you get a subsistence amount. And if one spouse dies, you do not get their benefits. You just get to choose the highest between yours or theirs. Folks, the government is neither generous nor benevolent. We could also go down the rabbit hole of how unstable the nuclear family is today versus in 1935. The last known public execution in the United States is held in Owensboro, Kentucky in 1936. This opens up a very broad and difficult debate. Should there even be executions for any crime, and should it be publicly? Morally, I think there's a case for wanton murder. Human life should be considered sacred at the highest levels. The taking of a human life should be punished in response to how high life is esteemed. But that punishment should be well judicated, but also swift. This idea that executions for murder can take 20 years to work through the courts is not reasonable. We can also argue that the idea of what is cruel and unusual has taken on a life of its own. Personally, any suffering the victim went through is clearly not cruel nor unusual when applied to the perpetrator. Now, conversely, no matter how hard the stand on the death penalty, most of society does not want to deal with the actual event. Most of us have a high respect for human life, and most animal life for that matter. The first official meeting of the American Football League is held in Chicago on this day in 1959. This was the fourth time a rival to the older and larger National Football League had been tried. The league will operate for 10 years before it merged with the NFL. The teams that were part of the AFL were the New York Titans, now the Jets, the Boston Patriots, Buffalo Bills, and the Houston Oilers, the Los Angeles Chargers, which moved to San Diego, the Denver Broncos, Oakland Raiders, and the Dallas Texans. The Texans moved to Kansas City and became the Chiefs. One of the first chinks in the Iron Curtain appears in 1980 when Lech leads a strike at the shipyards in Gdansk, Poland. Two years ago, a 7.2 magnitude earthquake strikes Haiti. Haiti could be a very long discussion of what has led it to be almost the worst human conditions on Earth. The two things that should not be discussed in polite company are religion and politics. I wade into both regularly. A preacher friend posted a discussion recently on the history of baptism. It was interesting that one poster wanted to get into a prolonged debate on the validity of the wording. Now, I think the wording is important, and I would use the Catholic Church as one evidence. They say it's important, so I'll say it's important also. Folks, from a historical perspective, 
there is absolutely no debate that the formula employed in the first century was changed. Prior to the Council of Nicaea in 325, the church was largely a concept without an overarching authority or a formal structure. The council was called by the Roman Emperor Constantine, the first to become a Christian. The primary debate was, what was the exact nature of Jesus Christ? Maybe the single greatest debate in the history of mankind. In fact, we still have trouble grasping how God became flesh mostly because we cannot comprehend the spirit world. Simply, there are things we do not know and cannot understand. Maybe the best example would be a fish in a bowl. Maybe he can see beyond the bowl, but he has no knowledge of how it functions. There certainly was political pressure as Constantine made his presence well-known and insisted on certain wording into the proceedings. Constantine wanted peace in the empire, an open church debate was not a way to get that. Still today, there is no fight like a church fight. No topic has been as debated as the proper form of baptism. The example we all have in the Bible use the form in the name of Jesus. Every source that supports baptism in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost cite Matthew 28:19, then jump to later documents and writings often in the 2nd or 3rd century. They failed to note that both forms were recognized as valid well into the 16th century by the Catholic Church and others. Luther, in his writings, criticizing the Orthodox Church, calls it trifling, those who would condemn others who baptize in the name of Jesus, further stating this was certainly the form the apostles used. Luther's writings are an interesting read even if the modern Lutheran church might disagree on the subject. He states it's not the faith of the baptizer, but the faith of the subject that carries the weight. Stating a baptism by a wicked minister would still be valid. That is a very broad concept that few would adhere to today. But it brings up the deeper debate and has raged since the days of Christ. What exactly is the nature and relation of Christ to the God of the Old Testament? Now, I do not like the terms father and son, even if used by Christ himself. I think it forces us into an earthly paradigm, constricting an eternal concept into mortal thinking. When we say Christ is the Son of God, are we referring to the physical body of Christ, the human portion, or his spiritual being? The topic gets complex quite quickly. I like to distill it down to a simple and essential question. When you get to heaven, will you see God as a single spirit or as two or three? Be very careful. Having more than one spirit does not make Christ any simpler to explain. And in fact, it complicates the whole affair greatly. It really does get that simple yet has the distinct possibility of being a defining point in all of Christendom. I might go as far as agreeing with Luther. If you answer that question correctly, the specific wording at baptism might be a minor point. But I will still err with the Apostles' practice. In other news, the new bark box arrived for the fur kids today. That entire concept is ingenious. It's pure marketing. 
I get a box every other month with a couple of toys, a chew treat, and two packages of other treats with clever names. But it includes a large insert with a very clever theme that is often a dog-based wordplay on the season. This month's was PB Dish Lickers Bark and Grill. That's G-R-R-R-I-L. Grill. And one of the toys was designed to look like a loaded baked potato called a pup-tato. The packaging and graphics are all for the human who pays the bills. The products are of fine quality and price, but the marketing would make P.T. Barnum blush. Check out our Facebook page at Doug Terrell History and Comment for pictures. That's History and Comment. For the 14th day of August, I'm Doug Terrell. Now, go do something worth remembering.